everybody. Welcome to the Access Ninja podcast, where we talk about accessibility through the lens of technology, life, and design. My name is Jonathan. And I'm Rachel Magario. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Rachel, what do you think of my uh, my little introduction there? I didn't tell you I was going to do that. Hey, I love it. It's what we all about, right? When we started, I remember we talked about, it was about technology, life, and design. So I love it. So it's a it's a work in progress, but uh, I thought I would I thought I'd give us a little try for anybody who's new and just joining us. I wanted to give you a nice introduction of what we do here, and uh, why don't we uh, why don't we jump right into it? One of the things that has happened just recently in the news is Google had their I/O conference, uh, which is a developer conference where they have uh, people who work on the you know the different Google platforms, whether that it's Android or Chrome extension things like that all come together and uh, they have meetings. Uh, it's, it's a full conference, so they'll do lessons and they announce some upcoming projects and experiments they're working on. Okay, for the people that doesn't know Jonathan, what are extensions? So, and we're not going to get into this in too much detail, but like you've got a web browser like Safari or Chrome or uh, Microsoft Edge, or if you're still using Internet Explorer, and you want to add some... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't help that one. And so if uh, you want to add some additional functionality to them, you can do these software extensions. So extensions might do something like... uh, add uh, the ability to look up coupons if you're uh, on a shopping web page or get some additional research information or block advertisements or pop-ups or things like that. So it's like apps for your phone, right? But it's apps for your browser, isn't it? That's right. That's right. Okay. And and so different developers can actually create these and distribute these inside of an extension marketplace. And maybe we'll go in more detail about how that actually works or what actually that's like. But since Google, they only make a couple of different platforms, everything's very web-based. So these extensions, these web applications are a much bigger deal to them than they are to some other companies. Cool. So what happened on this conference? So we're going to talk about one specific thing that they announced. They actually announced a lot of different things uh, about Android. I think it's Android P, the new version of their operating system. There's even some new um, accessibility features that they've announced. But we're not going to be talking about those quite yet. We might talk about those in, a, in more detail in a, in a future session. But there's one particular feature that is catching people's attention we wanted to discuss, which is a new feature or experimental feature called Google duplex now google has an app already called the google assistant the google assistant's a lot like oh it's like like, like any other voice recognition uh, assistant like siri Come on, say it say it siri yeah. so it's a lot like siri it's uh microsoft has their own version cortana and it's an assistant that you can talk or type to uh, that can do various things so you can get you know basic information like how is the weather or what's time you can have it do certain functions like set a timer for five minutes or on some phones you know check the battery life things like that hey don't leave alexa out she's part of the group yeah alexa is another voice assistant but uh alexa is more tied to you know the echo system 
Um, although they do have uh, some apps, you know, like the uh, that you can activate it on the phone. Yeah, and Alexa is like, you know, the little fish in the pond. But she's still part of the pond. You say little fish in the pond, but she's probably the most popular voice assistant in the U.S. Well, I'm just talking about <laughs> capabilities. You know, the most popular person in the high school that is not usually the brighter. No, no, that that that's true. Although... <laughs> I think a lot okay, of people would argue. Me. I think a lot of people would argue it's got more functionality than any other voice assistant. You know, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. Okay, well, that's why we make a good team. Well, <laughs> I'm sticking with my Siri. Sorry, I did ask Siri yesterday what's the meaning of life. He he said that he had an app for me that could do that. They've actually added a lot more jokes to Siri recently. But just to get back on uh, back on focus yeah. here. So Google's got an AI system called Google Duplex that they were demoing. And Google Duplex uh, really is an experiment right now. It's not, it's not a product that they're going to be in, uh, giving to the general public anytime soon. But what makes it interesting, what makes it controversial in some ways, is it can basically make a phone call on your behalf to schedule an appointment. And the current version can as they demoed, can make a, a, a dinner reservation, make a haircut, or find out the holiday hours. So what happens is the Google Assistant literally makes a phone call on your behalf that the other person picks up and it has a verbal conversation with. And so we're okay. actually going to play a clip of that. What were you going to say, Rachel? No, we're not going to show the dinner reservation, but I thought it was hilarious that there's not a lot of high-end Chinese restaurants <laughs> that take reservations. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're jumping ahead here. Yeah, we've got, uh, they did a, a video demo and I'm going to put a link on the webpage to The Verge. They have an article on uh, some of the uh, ethical questions, which we'll talk about in a moment and plays the, the full audio clip. We're going to play one for a moment of the Google duplex making a haircut reservation, but you're referring to a, a later demo that they do uh, where they had to call up a Chinese restaurant to schedule a uh, a, a table for two or yeah, a, reservation. a reservation. Yeah, so that's the part that I thought it was hilarious. So, well, just so you understand what we're talking about here, I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit of the demo. You can listen to the full video uh, on the Verge article, which you will find uh, in the show notes. Okay, so I'm going to play that for you right now. So what you're going to hear is the Google Assistant actually calling a real salon to schedule the appointment for you. Let's listen. Hello, how can I help you? Hi, I'm calling to book a woman's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. Sure, what time are you looking for around? At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a 1.15. Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now. Okay, we have a 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. is fine. Okay, what's her first name? The first name is Lisa. Okay, perfect. So I will see Lisa at 10 o'clock on May 3rd. Okay, great. Thanks. Great. Have a great day. Bye. 
That was a real call you just heard. The amazing thing is the assistant can actually understand the nuances of conversation. We've been working on this technology for many years. It's called Google Duplex. It brings together all our investments over the years in natural language understanding, deep learning, text-to-speech. By the way, when we are done, the assistant can give you a confirmation notification saying your appointment has been taken care of. So what you just heard there was a onstage demo that they did for this new Google Duplex feature. Uh, what's very distinctive about it, which you might have heard, is uh, that the voice assistant simulated a human being in great detail, even going, mm-hmm, as a response to, uh, can you wait a moment? And the idea of this demo is that the person on the other side wasn't even aware they were talking to a AI. And that gets into some of the uh, great possibilities and things that make people get very worried about this. Scary! <laughs> now, uh, I will specify that Google has, uh, when, when, when asked about the concerns about and ethics of having an AI call and simulate being a human being, uh, they did specify that, although they didn't say how, that the assistant will be identifying itself as a computer and not as a person. But they didn't exactly specify how they were going to do that. And they kind of felt that the industry or was going to kind of come up with their own definition. So they don't have like a credo. They, don't, they haven't explained exactly how they're going to do it. They haven't explained what they feel the ethics around that is just that they will do something. Yeah, and, and I think that's where the problem is. You know, um, I think uh, the Dan Brown is, you know, the <clears throat> writer. And his last book was actually approaching exactly that, which is the ethics of uh, artificial intelligence or AI. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a great read because he's actually touching on that. And I, I don't want to give spoilers, but the AI in the book has this a great participation into many events and his interactions with humans are flawless. But then, and, you know, but the question is, you know, he doesn't really have feelings. He can emulate feelings, but doesn't really have feelings. So, or perhaps he cannot understand the nuances of certain human conversations. So, you know, I, I think me as an assistant, it's okay, right? I mean, perhaps it's, it's fine that it calls you and, and does it's just serving as a an assistant for somebody. But then where do you draw the line about the power of that assistant to do certain things? You know, where where do you draw the line on what that assistant can ask or not? Because AI or not, it's still programmable, right? And, uh, and, and you hope humans have more ethics, although nowadays you find a lot of crooked humans too. So. Uh, but how do you blame it, right? How, how do you blame the, the, the assistant for doing something literal, perhaps? So there's, there's two aspects, too, I want, I want to bring to people's attention here. So from an accessibility standpoint, I have a handful of clients, a lot of people I've worked with over the years, uh, people with cerebral palsy or other physical conditions that affect their voice, which makes making a phone call, a reservation like this, which might seem, it might seem silly to off-put, you know, 
trying to make an appointment. Like, why can't you just pick up the phone and, and make the call itself? But if you're a person who can't uh, communicate as effectively with voice uh, and with Google Assistant being something you can type into, I could type into my device uh, if I had a uh, uh, an impediment that affected my speech and it could make those calls for me. And that can make my life so much better. So there's a lot of real positive accessibility angles to this particular technology. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't understand. You know, I think in general, people understand this ability, like, you know, deaf, uh, you know, speech impaired or or blindness or, you know, people usually think about the physical disabilities, but there's many, many neurological conditions that uh, prevent you from talking. You know, like, I mean, one one example is, is Steve Hopkins, right? I mean, uh, Hawkins, sorry. So Steve Hawkins had to type everything he wanted to say. And uh, and then there's several cases that Jonathan and I have worked with that they can't speak. And, you know, we have a, a girl uh, uh, in the spectrum in Canada that she, she can type and she is fully aware of everything. She's super smart, but she can't utter a word. So this could be an, a, an amazing tool for those particular people, but it also has a lot of issues up around, you know, what, what, what does this say for the future of scam phone calls? Because we're already getting a ton of these from people calling and trying to scam us or com- automated recordings. Now we can have a much more sophisticated audio recording that's able to engage with us and we're not sure if it's a person. No, and imagine if you could, um, you know, the uh, people that do those uh, scam phone calls, they address a lot of the, uh, what we call sales uh, objections. And then they kind of, they, they can pre sort of think of the, the you know, a handful of objections of the people they're targeting. And then, and then they put that in the recording. But imagine if you could actually teach an artificial intelligence how to deal with each one of those objections in a very interactive way. I mean, we're talking about manipulation at its best. So there's a lot of implications to this. And before we jump on Google specifically, you should keep in mind that a lot of companies are working on this type of technology, not just Google. By Google showing this, they're making us aware of its existence. But if Google wasn't developing this, somebody else would be. In fact, somebody else is right now. There's a lot of AI companies. There's a lot of text-to-speech companies. So it's not just that Google is the only one to go down this path. It's just they're the first ones to make a big announcement and to demonstrate it on a stage. Yeah, and I mean, and the AI is not just for talking. You know, like Microsoft has this app that we are going to reveal. And it's the, you know, AI seeing AI, so seeing artificial intelligence. And, you know, I can, uh, they did trying to teach the AI to recognize visual things and interpret them. So, I mean, there is no limit to AI. In fact, Google's putting a lot of money into AI specifically for accessibility. Another part of their presentation was about their dedication to AI for accessibility. Specifically, in fact, Google P is coming out with a uh, accessibility feature for image recognition uh, where you can wear your uh, phone like a lanyard with the camera, trying to find and identify things around me around you. It's called Lookout, uh, and that's using an AI system. Microsoft's using Seeing AI, which is an AI system to help with 
text and visual recognition as well. Which I will confess, I love it. When I first downloaded, I didn't believe in it. And I swear to God, it reads even round the cans. It's awesome. Now, there might be a portion of you that might be having the same reaction that, that I had when I first heard this demo. My gut reaction was, oh, no. The world is going to never be the same. We're never going to be able to believe anybody who we hear just their <laughs> voice over the phone. And that may be true, but as I did more investigating into this particular feature, as I read more articles about it, as I read other people uh, talking about this feature, there's a couple things that you should really really know if you've never been to a Google I.O. conference before is a, is a few things. First of all, this was not a live demo. This was a recording of probably several attempts they did until they found one that came out and worked right. It's an experimental feature. It has no schedule for actual release to customers. And you should know that Google presents every year dozens of new experiments. And less than half of them actually become products that people can use. They don't have any live demos, as far as I can tell. Nobody has been able to actually test out this device. They've been keeping it in a box. And they don't, they don't have any live demos. They don't have any live presentations. It can only make a restaurant and a haircut reservations. It cannot make any other reservations. Not a doctor. Uh, no other types of reservations whatsoever. It only works in these very small, very focused, very predictable scenarios. And in fact, when the AI doesn't understand what you're saying, which they say happens quite a bit, it just repeats the same questions over and over again, slightly different wording every time until it gets an answer it expects. So this system, although in that demo, seems really cool and really futuristic, it's not that intelligent. It cannot understand any form of complex language. It's only listening for specific keywords. It's like when Siri first came out and you started talking to it, and Siri sounded like you were talking to a person. And you would ask it a question, and it would answer you brilliantly, and then you'd ask a follow-up question, and it would say nonsense back to you and not understand you. It's like magic when it works specifically in a very, very controlled scenario, and then it is laughably bad all the time. Yeah, I think it goes back to, you know, we live in a complex world, uh, and uh, in design we call it complex adaptive systems, so it's constantly adapting. The system is complex, and it's adapting itself. And um, I think that, you know, some people are afraid that maybe, you know, assistants would lose jobs and all that. And and I think that regardless of what the technology does, uh, it will never be able to fully replace uh, a human job. That is a great point, specifically because another thing that Google has said is that when they're using the system and the system starts to detect that it's failing or is getting confused, it actually hands off the call to a human being to finish the actual <laughs> reservation so it's like triage you know like right now they uh you know when you call a, a bank or you know some institution of some kind they do like a pre-screening to reduce the amount of time that you are waiting so you know they'll ask for your credit card number and they'll ask what you want to do and then they'll offer you options 
And then if there is something that you really need a person, then they'll shoot you to a uh, representative. And then, you know, that way, instead of having a queue of 40 minutes, you have a queue of 10 minutes because the automated system was able to solve the things that it's like, you know, Q&A on a website. They say, you know, you can write me an email um, if you have a question, but here are the frequently asked questions. So, you know, check it out. Maybe your question, your, your answer is there, but if it's not, then yeah, feel free to contact us. And I think that's, is more like a automation, a optimization than a replacement. The funny thing too, is that in some ways, this system with the reservations, at least to an extent exists already. It's just not with the automated calls. For example, my wife and I decided we wanted to eat out somewhere nice last night. And I could ask Siri to find a reservation at a nice restaurant at 6.15 p.m. And it found the restaurant I wanted. And I was able to make a reservation right in Siri. And I could have done that because Siri does support type to Siri. Uh, so I could have done basically the same thing this has. But because the restaurant has integrated into open table or one of these other services i was able to make that reservation so this fits into the scenario where we have a business that doesn't have some sort of online or automated system but in probably in the near future almost most places are actually going to have this type of thing already so there's a good chance that this duplex won't come out in this form really perhaps ever for consumers one of the things Google said they are going to be using it for is to call up businesses to get holiday hours because many businesses don't update their online uh, profiles with holiday hours. They sometimes just post it on the door or through their web page, and it's hard for Google's automated system to pick up on that. So they're definitely going to be using it for that, but they may actually never bring this to consumers as it was demoed. Yeah, and I can see some awesome business applications like the, you know, the holiday one, for example, because seriously, would you like to be hired to call a bunch of businesses the whole day and say, hey, can you tell me your holiday hours? I mean, that's a boring job. So I think that there's so many applications and to say the truth, we don't need to be afraid of technology. Plus, wouldn't it be so cool if Androids actually exist? I would love an Android as an assistant. You just mentioned something that I try to tell people too, which is that, uh, well, there's actually not much use in being afraid of technology. It's going to happen. It's going to come. It's going to be different than we think it is. It's not going to be like uh, the Dan Brown novels or the Michael Crichton books. <laughs> Those are great. Those are fantasy. Come we on, love... don't give a spoiler. <laughs> we, we love to be afraid of this new technology and where it could go, but... Overall, many of these technologies do improve the world. And although people will argue with me about uh, social media's role in the world right now, but uh, but in, in all all in all, I think um, we should not be afraid of these things. We should be aware of them. And uh, also, we should also be aware that a technology demo does not uh, does not equal real life. Yeah, and it's not really about what what you. Uh, you know, what's what's coming is what you're going to do when it comes with it. And I think, you know, it's about ethics. I think if we have the ethics, it doesn't matter what we have. You just, anything in the world can be used or misused. So I think we'll probably be revisiting these types of topics in the future. Uh, and I think 
that if you want to know more, definitely check out our show notes at access.ninja. I'll link you to the Verge article. It's a really good article. Went into great detail about the ethics and uh, is definitely uh, worth, uh, worth a read if you're curious more about this feature. It will tell you more about Google I.O. and some of the things that came out later. Uh, but in the yeah. meantime, you got some recent news, Rachel, didn't you? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> but I <clears throat> it's not so great news. Uh I um I applied for the Blind Ambition Home and Prize uh contest for the second year. I became a semi-finalist again. Uh I was a finalist last year and I didn't make it into the three winners. And then this year I unfortunately didn't make it to the finalist either but you know i was thinking about the accessibility of life and and i really think that instead of being bummed down and or waiting all the way until next year i think i had a pretty solid plan and project this year and i, I love it which was to follow in the footstep of james holman which was a uh you know blind explorer they contributed a lot to science and uh, travel in the 1800s. And um, and I want to sort of like repeat some of his uh, tours and, and I kind of show, you know, the past and the present and how technology has or has not affected, you know, those changes and, 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 and travel and et cetera for a blind person specifically, but for everybody else. And... Um, and I think uh, instead of being bummed down, like, uh, you know, I've been bummed down before, uh, I really thought that, you know, um, what accessibility has taught me is that there's more than one way to do things. And perhaps I don't have to, um, you know, to rely on one. I can uh, try something else and try to fund it in a different way, this project. And we will link to the Holman Prize webpage if you do want to know more about that. And they will be shortly announcing um, the finalists. The semi You are a, a semi-finalist. Right. And uh, so we'll link to that uh, as well if you want to know more about that project. And every year they they, they run a, a new contest. So this is just the second year uh, that they've been running. And if you're also curious, what was... Uh, Rachel's project, uh, you can actually go there right now on the webpage, uh, go to the semifinalist page and actually watch uh, the video where uh, you made your proposal. Yeah. Or we can even put the YouTube link straight out. Oh, that's probably a good idea, too. We'll just put the YouTube link in there, too. But but check out check out Lighthouse's page as well. Yeah, because they're great and it's a great thing. And, you know, I wish I, I've seen people last year that didn't go for it. Uh, again this year and if you have a dream and if you have a project that you want to get done um you know just do it like accessibility you there's more than one way to read a content there's more one way to get to a content and i think that the project is worth it it helps you think and it helps you organize it and then figure out what you need and um so we'll be talking more about that and it's you know it's sad news, but not completely done. And uh, we'll keep you posted on how things are going. Um, maybe every episode we'll 
tell you a little bit about them. So. And a big part of this is about travel and some of the techniques and challenges around travel. And I think that would be probably something our audience would be very interested to hear uh, because you do quite a bit of traveling yourself. I do. I just came back from uh, Florida and it was very interesting. Uh, we'll, we can go over that. And um, so if you are interested in, in travel and what we do with travel, uh, let us know and we will write more and more about it. Uh, you know, the, the one of the deliverables for my uh, home and prize was not just the documentary video, but it was also a podcast on travel. So, you know, here we are and I think we can uh, give lots of value on that because travel, it's travel, it's complicated for everyone, not just if you're blind or not. And there is some tricks to the trade. Travel hacking. <laughs> it can be very intimidating if you are not aware of some of the you know alternative techniques that you might use or the tools that are available or the services. And if you've never done it before, you might think, oh, it's it's too hard. It's too scary. It's impossible. But you do it all the time, and I think sharing some of those experiences, the ups and the downs, the challenges, the techniques would be, I think, would be really interesting. I would love to hear about them, too. Yay! All right. So we have a plan. If you like it, please leave us comments about uh, what you think about Google. Um, if you want to know more about travel, let us know. And we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And you can send that feedback to feedback at access.ninja. That's not .com. That's .ninja. Feedback at access.ninja. So... Thank you uh, so much for uh, for joining us, and uh, you know, be nice to each other. Oh yeah, but you can fight sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>